Hey guys, Riley from Antipode here. On today's episode, we give you a little background on how our latest week in a new country is going. I moved to a new apartment and Bijan is still on the hunt for the perfect boat. Then we dive into one of our favorite shared adventures, the time Bijan crashed my honeymoon in Prague. Just a heads up, we're still getting a hang of this podcast thing and we hope to keep episodes pretty brief, but this is a little bit longer. Enjoy the cast. Welcome to Antipode. I'm Riley Miller. And I'm Bijan Abtahi. We forgot to introduce ourselves on the first podcast, so this will be our very first introduction to you. So, <laughs> welcome. We're, doing, we're off to a great start, Bij. Yeah, really, really just first-class production quality here so far. <laughs> yeah, um, no one's going to be able to tell this is our first podcast. No, of course not. Yeah. Or so. the podcast. The podcast, as Riley has come to nickname uh, Antipode. So, I really like the podcast. That's what I'm going to refer to it as. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think that's. Uh, I think it's uh, probably open in the trademark office. Would be my guess. So, all um, right. So today on the episode, we've got one of our favorite stories: the hazards uh, of honeymoon crashing when Bijan came and uh, visited me during my honeymoon. Yeah. Well, you could call it a visit, or you could call it my feeble and failed attempt to make up for missing a wedding by crashing the honeymoon. This is the sort of thought that like a twenty-four-year-old would have, like, "Oh, well, it, you know, that's I missed their their wedding that I was supposed to be in, but instead I'll just go to their honeymoon and they'll they'll be great with that." And turns out, not that bad, right? It was it was a nice gesture and it was a fantastic visit. I think you actually made my wife jealous. <laughs> <laughs> I know it was it, the reason we we think it's so funny is it and as you'll hear it ended up being one of the most just magical nights of Riley and I's life. It was like <laughs> like when you imagine yourself going out on a date with uh, uh, with the young lady or man. This is this is kind of how you imagine it will all maybe pan out. I mean. Um, there were fireworks, uh, and there were other great things, but we'll, we'll save it for, um, the end because the beginning is nowhere near Prague, is it? It was, uh, it was me in, well, hold on before, before we get started with that, did we want to go over what's been going on in our lives the last couple of weeks? Oh yeah, that's probably a good idea. We've. We feel like this is uh, relatively interesting because Riley and I are working through so many, uh, I guess, unique problems being uh, new expats. So, um, yeah, so, what, what's been going on in your wealth, Riley? Like, I mean, Prague, winter 2017, what's happening there? Yeah, so uh, I, I, me and you, I think, are both in the same place here where, well, at least last week, we were in the same place where we were both looking for housing. I know you're still looking for housing. Seems like you're closing in on something. But we uh, just signed a lease for an apartment in Prague. Uh, it's Congratulations. Just, thank you. Uh, great little place uh, in Holeshevitsa. Um, and it was a really funny experience for me because my wife, who is more or less fluent in Czech, got to do all of the talking when she was <laughs> talking about the lease with the, the real estate agent, the owner of the, uh, the apartment. So I was completely ignored by these two women. Uh, and 
And so they, they were just going on back and forth and pretending I wasn't in the room. Occasionally they would say something to me and I would just nod like I knew what was going on. So I, the whole time there was this sense that I, I had like a bad feeling where I was like, they're, they're doing something bad right now and we're going to end up paying for it later. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Um, but it turned this out is like, just fine. Yeah, this is like, uh, you know, because uh, I don't speak Swedish when I'm with Maria's family, I like try to have that kind of uh, grin of understanding on my face, but yeah. like like the strong, silent guy in the room would have, right? So yeah. like, uh, maybe I'm just redefining myself in this new country, like I'll just be that happy, quiet, contented, sort of drunk guy in the corner, you know, like that's Oh, that's absolutely. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And I, I know a handful of words, right? So like... Um, so they would say something like kuchinya, which is kitchen. And I'd be like, oh, yeah, totally. No, there's kitchen here. I know what's going on. That's right. Yeah, you're <laughs> like a child, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then they and would kind of point at things way. and look at me and like they would be asking me if I, if I liked something or if I wanted this thing here. And I'm, I'm like, I'm just kind of nodding. And, you know, my wife has to come in and be like, no, 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 Riley, we don't want that. We're, just stop. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, right. Well. So whatever submit, we got, sub- we got a great place. It's it's uh, utilities, everything included. It's like twenty thousand crowns a month for like a brand new, renovated apartment that was a salon maybe last year. So we've got a now, a side above is, our door that says salon. Uh, oh, what is it? It's like salon Catalina or something. Which is hilarious for a guy with a a beard that looks like it hasn't been cut in like <laughs> six years. Super appropriate. And, yeah. Oh, Salon what's, Christina, uh, what's, that's what it is. What's 20,000 crowns? How much is 20,000 crowns? It's, a, it's 25, about 26 crowns of the dollar right now. So we're, we're talking like 780 bucks a month uh, for Not everything, bad. all included. So yeah. significantly better than Chicago. A new place, fully furnished. Like, it's it's super yeah, nice. That will get you a parking spot in, like, outside, outer, outer loop Chicago <laughs> for a month. Yeah. Uh, well, Chicago's not bad. Maybe like San Francisco. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't know. I've been on that uh, parking spot hero, and I, it basically put me in like a in a dumpster. Oh, yeah. That's with right. A rental. Yeah. yeah. Spot yeah. here in Chicago. Yeah. Spot You're here, like underneath yeah. the L somewhere. Yeah. Um, but yeah, oh, that's cool. kind of what what's so... been going on for me. I mean, we had a friend in town, and we showed him all the touristy spots. So I hadn't been there in the in the you know like Prague Castle and things like that in a couple of years. So it's always nice to go out and have excuses to go there. But those are generally places you avoid avoid as a resident. Yeah. But yeah, what about you, Bij? What you been up to, bud? Man, after a beautiful first week of weather in Auckland, they got like uh, what felt like a meter of rain this week it was absolute deluge like uh at first we had been hearing about how bad the rain can be here and uh and then and then it started coming and we're like there's no way this is normal and people were kind of still like oh well welcome to winter you know or like uh you know the winter's coming or fall's coming and then like it kept raining and they were like no this is weird and then they're like then day three day four of it they were like Okay, this is a hundred year storm, like we've never had this much rain. Like uh <laughs> you should call the person whose house you're staying in and let them know that their house isn't falling in, you know. Oof, um so but it was brutal. it was really cool. I mean it was amazing to see how like uh basically the jungle here, the forest just absorbs all this water. So um got in a little trouble at work for saying that uh New Zealand didn't have good ice cream. Oh um, no. because 
I was quickly um, corrected that this is that New Zealanders are the largest consumers of ice cream in the world by 30% over the United States. What? Yeah, 28 liters a year to 20 liters a year. Beige, the that's, U.S. is in second. It's, a, it's an odd similarity between Prague or from between the Czech Republic and New Zealand because they drink 30% more beer. Than the, there you go. Than the United States. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But so, <laughs> I, but somehow but somehow the U.S. is still fatter. We I have no idea. Yeah. There's there's countries that drink more beer and eat more ice cream, but you just can't beat the fat. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so we had tried lots of ice cream and we just we just weren't loving it. It was lots of like really fluffy, airy. It's like gelato style? ice cream. Eh, no, not really. gelato's like denser, yeah. and so everything we got in the stores, to be honest, at this point, everything we've had in the stores is still okay, but mm-hmm. we were guided to a place called Takapuna Beach Cafe um, in Takapuna, which has got like a very like Manhattan Beach, Los Angeles coast vibe, but like much nicer, and there's a huge volcano out in the, in the water, and uh, man, if that ice cream wasn't really good, uh, I mean, I don't know what is, so... Yeah, so we stand corrected, but still we think there's a market opportunity here, considering like they think that Ben and Jerry's is like the only ice cream on earth like worth eating um, at the moment. So, uh, wait, yeah. that's what they think. Uh, that's yeah, what Ben Jerry's think. Yeah, Ben and Jerry's just got imported here last year, and there's like and they sells for fifteen dollars a pint. What? Yeah, fifteen bucks, fifteen dollars New Zealand. So that's like, uh, it's like eleven. 11 us oh my god that's pricey that's like i mean that's got to be like twice the price twice the cost is what you you get it for in the u.s yeah exactly yeah but it's i mean of course been imported it's not made here so it's been shipped you know across the the largest ocean in the world so it's you know i guess for an extra six dollars i'll have my ben and jerry shipped from vermont (laughs) across the united states Wait, and so then probably likely in an airplane, not a, not in a ap- actual ship, but it, it does travel about twelve thousand miles to to be eaten by me. So that's fair. fair so I the guess. ice cream that they have there isn't is it not good, or they they just eat a lot of bad ice cream? No, no, it's good. So the okay. <clears throat> see, so if you, you know, now we're gonna get into ice cream a little bit. <laughs> The, the ice the ice cream that you buy in the buckets and stores is is piped through pipes in into the to, those tubs and then it's frozen in those tubs. So it's it has to be a certain liquidity in order to be good and it's often like really whipped up. Um, oh. And the the ice cream that I'm used to eating having lived in the Midwest for 5 years is called Graders. It it I, I'm not on the Graders bandwagon, but Graders, Graders was is a beloved Ohio yeah, delicacy. Yeah, exactly. My mother grew up on uh, off of Coleraine Avenue, and I've been eating Graders since like 1991. So like, I personally uh, love then, Graders. Yeah, it's yeah. incredible. Yeah. So th- this is totally different ball game. There, that's so like dense and thick and delicious that it has to be like hand padded into these cups and that's that's yeah. what i'm used to so yeah it's kind of looking it, for that an american yeah. an american ice cream they pack as many calories as they can into each scoop yeah well it's actually it's a it's french pot made riley it's not what? american like we didn't come up with that process what? surprisingly enough yeah i think <sighs> the 
I think the innovation, though, it, that, that Graders probably has is that it's really almost custard. They just have just passed the threshold in order to call it ice cream. Oh. So it's, uh, which means like egg content has to be a certain amount and also cream, et cetera. So hmm. it's really like a custard, but it's just ice cream. So basically people don't want to eat custard because they don't, they don't like the idea. Um, so they've just tricked the whole country into thinking that they're having custard, but it's really just, or having ice cream, but it's really just really good. Really, really good custard. All right. Okay. Anyway, so yeah, it, we've moved on. It's pretty good. Um, how, how, goes us... the, uh, how goes the the boat hunt, Vish? Ah, so this is uh, the great point of excitement. Um, we, Maria and I, are looking to live aboard a boat in Auckland. It's like one of the most temperate liveaboard climates on Earth. It's called yeah. the City of Sails. There are thousands of uh, of boats here, and something like half of the population owns a boat. Um, and and Bij, knowing you for a while, I feel like this is fulfilling a, a lifelong dream of yours. Yeah, I mean, I've I've been a boat owner before. I've kind of like lived very close to my boat before, on and off of it, a few days a week, and put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into a boat or two with intentions of kind of learning myself up in the ways of a salty seasman so that I can take on a, a real a real lovely boat. And I think uh, for the time being, Maria and I have got set our eyes on one called Mararo. It is the Mararo. Maori word for flying fish. Oh. Um, yeah. It's an H-28, which is a Herringshoff 28-footer. Very small boat for a liveaboard, but... We're trying to go small first and then work our way up. Wait, um, how, how big is it? Like, what are we talking like uh, bedroom size? Do these have bedrooms? I've uh, never even been on a yeah. boat, I don't think. <laughs> so, so, no, there's no bedrooms in it's, a boat. There it's are, like a studio. It, oh, it's not like a studio at all. It's like a closet. It's like the closet you're recording in right now. Okay. Maybe okay. maybe much smaller than that. I mean, oh, it's kind of like arguing about like, you know, size of relative stars it's like they're all big they're all so big that it doesn't matter it's like this is the exact opposite it's like (laughs) so small it doesn't matter so like it's like you know you're living on a boat like oh it's gonna be 200 square feet or 400 like it's still gonna be a huge life adjustment so it um it has uh three berths which is what they call beds there are no bedrooms but there are three berths so you got room for friends yeah, it could sleep at max. It could probably sleep six. If I've got a good friend that will sleep in the cockpit, then seven. Just eight, get a sleeping maybe. pad. Yeah, I mean it's good. Weather's good here, so yeah, we're we're just looking for a survey on it. It's an it's a wooden boat from 1957. Actually, the the own the original owner and builder's son just sent me a bunch of photos today of like it being christened and launched and. Uh, Ah, oh, and it's just such good, like nineteen fifties, uh, like yeah, like good times sort of stuff. Like pulls at like, the heartstrings. It does. It really does. So, <laughs> if if I do buy that boat, um, it it will be in part because this guy has been trying to like persuade me into buying it. I was so gonna say that's a of, that's a good sales tactic. They're they're attaching emotion to it for you. Yeah, well, that it does add to the story of the boat. And to be honest, no wooden boats are really good purchases. So it's a uh, you 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 have to you have to love it and it you know 
you don't want to spend all this time trying to rehab or or fix up a boat that has no history and this one is like really cool it had uh some yeah like des townsend is like one of the most famous yacht builders in new zealand history and uh he was like living on this guy's couch when he built the boat no way so like yeah so like des probably was you know out on this boat on the weekend and was taking lines off of it in order to make this townsend 34 that he made that was like went into production here and became really popular so it's a little yeah it's a little bit of auckland history so that's awesome i would like to yeah uh yeah i'd like to invest in it so but we'll see you know i'm trying to stay super objective you know buying a Buying a boat is like a, buying a house that could sink and kill you. So like you should, <laughs> you should be careful. <laughs> so like I hope to God yeah. your mother isn't listening to this. Yeah, no. <laughs> well, actually, she will. So, but yeah, you know, I can swim. They sent me to swim classes when I was a kid. So Alice will be fine. Too. That it's not yeah. going to sink. Yeah, Alice <laughs> and Human. They both. They know I'm a fish. So we got it. We're good. Um, uh, but yeah, that's it. And that's so you, this is you're going all in on minimalism. You know, the minimalist lifestyle now, too. You have no choice. Yeah, I mean, it has nothing to do with that. I I, I mean, I'd saw about it's basically a lifestyle choice. You know, it's yeah. a there's I think most most boat owners or people that have lived aboard probably scoff at those guys because they're like, yeah, this is yeah, this has been people's it, lives for like hundreds of years before it, you came it's up the with hip this trendy purpose. thing right now. Minimalism. Yeah. I will say this though, if if you've just moved to a new place or a new country and you're worried about having like you here you have to buy appliances when you move into an apartment. Yeah, they do um, that here too. You take your appliances yeah. with you. Yeah, which is terrible because like hypothetically if I if Marie and I were moving into an apartment right now, we would have to buy everything from the couch to the coffee table to the fridge to the to the range and et cetera. So like no way, dude. I, I that would take me months. So Pish, I'm um, so I'm so ignorant when it comes to boats. What like how do bathrooms work on a boat? <laughs> well, I mean, we are going to live aboard at a marina, so uh, you, there's going to be probably there. yeah, we're probably going to ninety percent of the time use their their uh, their showers and toilets and what have you, which is great. But um, yeah, there's a there's a gravity driven um, uh, toilet Plumbing? that goes oh. in goes into a tank. It's all internalized into a tank, and then you pump out from the tank. You know, it's you pump like an RV. you pump out into like when you're when you're at the marina, you pump it out into like a. Oh yeah, 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 okay. yeah. You don't. Dump you're it. not yeah, now. Yeah. There's <clears throat> there's loads of like good boaties that uh, when you ask them where the toilet is, they'll show you a five gallon bucket in the corner that they yeah. affixed a toilet seat to. There you and go. That's, Totally kosher. Not exactly uh, environmentally the best idea when you have <laughs> one and a half gotta, million people living in a city. So like, you just got a poop bucket in the corner. Yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> poop is all natural. Everybody poops, but uh, we've kind of very densely populated this nice area of Auckland. So we'd like to keep the Haraki Gulf uh, uh, poop free, maybe. And if I if I know us, uh, all of you eager listeners, we will have a one hundred percent poop related episode in the future. <laughs> oh yeah, this is something that Riley and I um, not to Are be you guys too much guys on this, talk? but because 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 we're gonna bring girls in on this this episode because this is a, <laughs> I think is a a gender rights issue. That's that absolutely is, true. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So like this is just one of the great. Um, I forget what the 
entrepreneur's name is. She's the lady who's made like the no leak panties or something like that. But okay, she was. I think she's just on uh, how I built this. Um, but uh, she was talking about this the other day because she's kind of she's made a uh, bidet attachment for toilets called uh, Tushy. Oh, um, which is like sixty five bucks, and you attach it to your toilet, and it cleans your butt. And yeah. She's like kind of, you know, she was a soccer player at, at Cornell and like a little bit aggressive. So um, all, all in the right ways. So she's really was like really confronting like why poop was taboo. And I have to say, I, I 100% agree with her. We're feminists um, here. We are going to get yeah. the ladies on to talk about poop. Everything you That's guys right. have been asking for. <laughs> That's right. How to keep it regular. How to keep it out of sight. Um <laughs> Uh, how to yeah. do it on a boat? How exactly. So, on the trails. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, but no, then not on that, not on this episode. This episode we're talking about uh, <laughs> uh, the hazards of honeymoon crashing, or we will talk about it at some point. We just so, lost um, like a third of our audience. Yeah, there you go. Sorry. One of the three. No, no, no. It can actually be. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we just lost my mom, right? Like <laughs> yeah. that's that's the, who we've lost. Like, they're talking about my son dying. They're talking about poop. I'm out. <laughs> yeah, that's right. This is not necessary. She's like really good at just like cutting out things that aren't helping her out at all. So we love you, Alice. Um, yes, yeah. Shout out to <laughs> Alice. Um, but the all right. So let, let me kick this off. So the 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 reason I was had to miss Riley's wedding in the first place was I was supporting a team in Barcelona uh, and something I committed to track team even before. Yep, a track team, which is my work um, or was my work. So. Um, and um, I I knew they were going to be uh, honeymooning in Prague because Riley hadn't been yet, and it was such a focus of Alana's life and research that they were going to come over and that I was going to maybe, maybe, just maybe, have the opportunity to just pop in on them. So I kind of was biding my time uh, around North Africa and Europe waiting for them to hit the ground and kind of finish the first few days of their honeymoon so that I could be basically called in. Is that about right, Riley? I'd say that's right. Yeah, this was 2012. We had just gotten married. I This was my first trip to Europe ever, and Bijan is a well-seasoned traveler at this point. <clears throat> yeah. And, uh, and yeah, you, you took the long way to come visit. You found out we were going to be honeymooning over there, and you felt maybe a little guilty for missing the wedding. Oh yeah, and you I wanted felt, to make I felt it really up. To guilty. Us. Yeah, yeah. We had, uh, yeah. There was, uh, we lived in a house of four guys, including Riley and I. That were really close. The Namp. Shout out to uh, the Namp. North, Mur. Yeah, North Athens Manata- Manatee Farm. Mur um, is the sound that a manatee makes. If you're wondering what that was, so. Um, <laughs> but uh, sorry, um, but yeah, everybody else was able to make it. I wasn't able to make it. I was super bummed. I uh, I didn't know your exact schedule, but, but I uh, after I finished this team in Barcelona, I took off to Marrakesh um, and just started kind of, I guess, I guess just enjoying myself, spinning my wheels, waiting for you to hit the ground and kind of give me the nod like, it's okay, I'm done with my with like the, the primary business of honeymooning, whatever that is. <laughs> Which um, I'll, I'll, I'll just interrupt and say that at the time, my wife was taking a language program. So we, we only stayed in Prague for a couple of days. Then we took a train down to Brno, which is the second largest city in the Czech Republic. 
uh, and we lived in a dorm while she was at this program. We lived in a dorm for like three or four days. And we slept on a twin-size bed with the most uncomfortable oversized pillow <laughs> that oh, nice. you've ever seen. So it was like not your average honeymoon. <laughs> no. So the the yeah, it sounds sounds romantic and you know, it's uh they knew they would be doing it right, but like uh I still felt super guilty. So I like uh in my infinite wealth and um wisdom spent pretty much all my money uh, at a Marrakesh Berber rug dealer, um, just buying up. I think I bought about $500 of little Berber runner rugs in different designs and patterns. And Damn, it I was kind of one of those things that, that like, oh, yeah. Like, you, you, like, get out there, and there's, like, all these kids running around, which is totally not right. Like, um just like whipping out these rugs and there's like mint tea being poured and uh, there's some, you know, trader basically in a big one-piece tunic like rubbing his belly saying like, what about these? And then they like flash out in front of you. (laughs) You're like, oh yeah, I'll have that one and that one and that one. And so I like uh, sooner, so this is way back in the Marrakesh souks and by the time I left that place, I mean I didn't have a dime on me, so I'm I'm walking out and um, and there's uh, some snake charmers in the center of the the market square there, and I yeah. like uh, I'm still I have a zoom lens on my camera and I'm trying not to be obnoxious, and so I'm like sixty yards away. And as soon and as I you sh- take a picture and they see you, they're you're oh, gonna be yeah. asked for money. Yeah. Oh yeah. So I shot a photo and like. When I like took the lens down from my face, this guy was like already on me, uh, and uh, and he, so he dragged me over, and they like just start going crazy with like five, ten cobras, you know, like just they're all exhausted because I think they've been basically these cobras were overworked. Um, oh no, they were not the liveliest cobras. Cobras, so you know it was it's kind of weird, Sad but I did cobras. take. A, yeah, I took a few photos, and then I was like, you know, I was trying to be nice, but not, like, too mean. But they put on a bit of a show, I have to say, and, uh, and then what, they were What like, kind of stuff? Would they have them, like, try, would, would it, they almost get bit? Or, like, what? how do you put on a show with the sad cobras? Yeah. No, so it's like, yeah, you, you just, uh, have you seen these, like, really thin little drums that they'll play? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and then they'll, like, pop it down over the cobra. They'll aggravate it by... Hitting on the drum, pull it, it, off. it off, yeah, and then yeah, guy with uh, basically a recorder, right, um, just blaring into the the poor snake's face, and obviously aggravating it again, and it's kind of biting at the end of the flute, and then uh, that goes on for a few minutes until you're all terrified, and uh, and then they of course cover you in snakes because that's a thing. Um, so wait, wait, wait! F- what? Not yeah. cobras, though. Mm, I don't know. We'd have to check the record. To be <laughs> honest, I don't know what. I don't know what they were, but they oh were. It's hard. Yeah, they were like. I think they were their most tired cobras. To be honest, they looked what? like it was like. It was hundred uh, that day. It was a hundred and thirty-five in Marrakesh. What? I am not kidding. So I can. We can melting. go back, look up the record. It's like. Middle of June, 
2012 in Marrakesh. It was the hottest day of my life, period. I, I mean, I, after all this, I went to the, the uh, Hemingway bar there and just like drank for hours and just like tried to cool off. Oh, but God. anyway, so time comes to pay and I reach into my pocket to look for something to give these guys and I've got nothing. Mm. And I was like, oh, look guys, I am sorry. At this point, I had actually pretty much cashed myself. I had no cash left. I had some uh, credit option, I think, or whatnot, but I was I was broke and in Marrakesh. I had a return ticket to Barcelona, which was going to take me on to you, but that was it. Oof. And then I, I reached down, and they basically, like, they gestured to, like, give us something then. And I was like, all right. So I reach in my pocket, and I have a, a silver iPod shuffle. That's right. <laughs> you guys remember shuffles. N- These are like <laughs> pre-smartphone pre technology here. It was full of like um, mid-90s acoustic alternative rock. Oh, right? wow. Yeah, just like this is like my classic go-to playlists circa like 2003, four, and I never took it off the shuffle because it was such a pain in the ass. So G- it was give just me an example. What, what what bands were on this? Mm, cake. Lots of cake. Oh, okay. Actually. okay. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah classic nineties. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, there was lots of, there was lots of cake on there. Some REM and uh, okay. probably, yeah. Yeah. So lots, lots of that. And I just never came off. It was the same, like, 200 songs over and over again so um so i said i held it in my hand i said this is worth like 50 us dollars which it was i was like this is worth 50 us dollars and i don't have the charger for it right now but if you take it you know you can you can uh you can get some money for this and they were like went from being absolutely irate to there was about six guys too it wasn't just like one guy that was like wanted his payment it was six guys to being just like the happiest guys in the world, right? So happy to have the iPod. And I was like, great, you know, I'm glad this works out. Yeah. And then the whole time I'm a little freaked out because I'm like, this could this could turn badly. And then one of them confesses to me that a few years ago he was doing exactly this. And a guy walks up to him and says, Do you want to work at Disney World? And he said, Yes, I yeah, this is in Arabic, right? Or yeah. in uh, in Berber. And uh, and says, yeah, I would love to. And then like a week later, he was working at Epcot in Disney World. What? Yeah, for like, and he worked there for like three months and made more money than he's ever made in his life. And then his, and then he goes right back on the plane and they send him back. So this guy has like, he's lived in Marrakesh his whole life. He's been Plucked doing this snake charming thing. He gets plucked from Marrakesh. Dropped off at Epcot for three months, lives the American dream as as much of it that you can have in Central Florida, which is very little actually, I think. But um, and then just boom, back to Marrakesh. What? And he's like the the richest guy in in his family now. Well, he was. I think I I think unfortunately, like that sort of experience doesn't really set you up for success it just makes you fig- try to figure out ways to get back to disney world right yeah so he's he's yeah. gonna tell that story the rest of his life anyway so 
I am uh, checked out of my hotel. I go back, pick up my my uh, Riyadh, which I got to look up the name of that Riyadh and leave it in the show notes because it was excellent. What like what's you, a Riyadh? Uh, it's so there's like very few classic hotels in Marrakesh. Ah, so like, um, so you stay mostly in kind of guest houses. I would say what they, is what they are. Okay. Um, and they're, I mean, you'll get a palatial bedroom for thirty dollars. Wow. Like, um, I mean, I think I had like five rooms and a like a rooftop deck. Five rooms for thirty. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll <laughs> again if I can find the photos, I'll put them up. I mean, oh it was amazing. God. Now the only thing was, is it you know as hot as as all hell. It was crazy, but but it was good. They, I they, mean, Marrakesh they, is a magic did they have place. AC in this place on a hundred thirty-five degree day. Um. Yeah, they had like some of those wall units in some rooms uh, of the wall units. Yeah, not so going to do much for that. Well, I, I yeah, imagine. like yeah, those like ones that blow out like mildly cool air, like <laughs> up from the top. Certainly um, at that heat. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I can actually remember the name of it. It was called Riyadh Joma. 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 Riyadh um, Joma. Joma. Yeah, right in the heart of Marrakesh. Great place. I think it was run by. A French guy and a Berber guy together. This ca- podcast brought to you by Jihad Roma. <laughs> or Roma. wait, no, Ria Joma. <laughs> no, Ria Joma. Ria Joma. Jihad Sorry. Roma. I'm dyslexic at midnight. I guess that's the problem. Yeah. Um, but the, yeah, yeah. So that's that was a. That's how I ended up absolutely broke, which will come into play later in the story. So yeah. So so then from there you go to. I go to Lintz because that's where my uncle lives and I need somebody to basically uh, uh, to just like just like uh, show me again where I am supposed to be going uh, on the way to like give me some guidance and I'm at this point I'm waiting for money to be like wired to me in the US and uh, I go to Lintz and, and see my uncle Farouk, who's uh, is really my dad's cousin, who's uh, like kind of the best friends, great guy. Okay. Um, and it, and his awesome family. Or did I do that after I went and came and saw you? Do you remember what I was doing after? I I, I do not remember. Uh, okay. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll skip Lintz for now until I can figure out the timeline here. But okay. the uh, <laughs> I show up in Prague on I think the last three hours of your honeymoon. Is that right? That sounds right. So I'll, I'll just pick up for a, a brief minute here. So me and me and Alana were in Brno, and um, on my the day before my last day, so I was flying out on let's say Friday. Um, I uh, me, Alana took the train up to uh, Prague with me. So it's like a two hour. I think it was like a two and a half hour train ride, and I was terrified of everything because. I was uh, I wasn't raised in a family that had ever well, like, no I don't think anyone in my family had been overseas before so I'm like I'm I, I I don't know the language I'm worried about what might happen it's all a very unknown place so Alana decides she's going to go with me back to Prague just to make me feel more comfortable uh, good wife there very good uh, and so so she she goes up there and drops me off uh, with you so you you hit a brief hello. With Alana. Oh, that's right. And then Alana literally a, turns uh, around and goes straight back to Brno. <laughs> yeah, but I have while while you're like having your uh, kiss goodbye, I got my like BlackBerry curve out of my pocket, 
and snapped a photo of you. So that's like if that's not like a really indicative of the times. This was the first phone with Wi-Fi on it. Yeah. And I have like a a blurry photo of your like goodbye kiss, which I was literally standing a meter away from you during <laughs> on your honeymoons. Yeah. I felt really bad actually. I was like, this would be this such a poignant, excellent moment. But instead it's just me kind of it was, it was a great moment. A it's a great photo. Maybe if we can find that, we'll, we'll have to post that as well. We'll, yeah, exactly. we'll post like in a whole album of this story. So yeah. so from there, we walk off and I'm telling Bijan about how great Prague is and how cheap the beer is and how cheap the food is and how good it is and all this stuff. And I wanted to show him all the architecture and everything. So from there, where do we go? We I think we went straight to get a beer to yeah. go. No, no. That no. was that was. That was after dinner. Oh, right. So we went straight. Oh, yeah. I tell Bijan, like, look, the beers in, in the tourist area are like, they're like $3. So like an American tourist comes and they don't know better. That's a great price for a beer. Um, but that that's the tourist price. I was like, we need to go a few blocks away. And the beers are like a dollar, a dollar fifty. If that. If that. Um, and so we, we walk down a couple of side streets and we find this, uh, the weather's amazing. Like it's nice and sunny and it's probably like 65 degrees out. Well, I'm wearing jeans and a short sleeve shirt. Yeah. Excellent conversation. This is the, <laughs> this is the male equivalent of like us just skipping hand in hand <laughs> down, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Through the streets of Prague basically. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we go, we have a, an amazing dinner. We have... Uh, we had a three-course meal. We literally had an appetizer, huge plate of food, dessert, yeah. coffee. Yeah. And we also had, I think, uh, we had a liter of beer apiece, so two half-liter beers apiece. You know? Riley, Riley and I are both uh, former distance runners, and I think we were still both running a little bit at this time, so we could put down like an absurd amount of food, and we just did our worst at this place. <laughs> it was and, great. And just were kind of shitty walking out of there. And I think it was like twenty four fifty. Um, yeah, I, I think it was under yeah. forty dollars for both of us combined. Okay, yeah, maybe yeah. maybe with the booze it was under forty. Yeah, yeah. so it was it was a good feeling. It, it's a uh, yeah, it was a, a solid uh, way to start the night. Then we rolled out and got some fifty cent to go beers from a basement yeah. bar down the street. It was like what was the name tw- of that place? It was like a 15% discount if you got a to-go beer. So I think it was, they were very much trying to attract tourists from places where that's not legal, like America. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> Was that what that was? I, I don't know. I figured. I assumed. Because usually that, you would think they want you to stay in there and Well, drink. it worked. It worked. I, yeah. So then we chatted, strolled, joked, walked this nice loop up past the opera house. Um, yeah. And, uh, and then... Down, I guess, kind of we've hung a right at the dancing houses across yep. the river and then back down the, which is that the, uh, which bank is that, I guess, the, uh, I don't know, the, the far bank, the, the, the steep bank of, of the river in, in Prague of the Danube. Oh, the, the Voltava. I thought you meant an actual yeah. bank. Yeah, the Voltava River. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, it's not the Danube. No, no, no. That's uh, Budapest, I believe. Oh, oh that's right. Well, Prague and Budapest are carbon copies, so it's kind of like, uh, <laughs> um, but the, um, yeah, so then we, uh, we get down to the, uh, Charles Bridge and, and 
we we've stopped to to take a look at some some street music playing a very nice string quartet playing Metallica. Right then, as, as oh I yeah, recall, they were playing oh, yeah. an excellent rendition of Metallica. Do you have a video of that? I have a I have a video somewhere. Yeah, yeah, I definitely right. do. Yeah, we're gonna dig that up too. And yeah. just just then, fireworks start to burst above our heads, <laughs> right? Like it's this is just perfect, right? Like it's a really really just truly the most romantic you know just excellent night and then yeah. we walk back to our hotel well just just to um, recap so this is after me uh, ending my honeymoon sleeping on a twin size bed with my wife in the most uncomfortable dorm room <laughs> and we me and right. my wife had we had a lovely week we had a lovely week but uh this was like what the hell? Like we couldn't have had this. To, I couldn't have had this with my wife. I mean, <laughs> I I had to have it with Bijan, which is it was yeah. great though. It was great. You can't you can't replace Lovely. that with anything. And I I cut I come in with fat fat with cash off like my money wire at my uncle's house or whatever it was, um, and I'm like high rolling like we're gonna stay at this hotel at the end of the Charles Bridge. It's a nice hotel, but it was it was probably nicer than the dorm room floor, I guess. But. It was, it was it, yeah, it was a really nice hotel, and and I uh, I actually just saw it yesterday. We were we were showing um you know we were going on the tourist walk, and I saw the hotel, yeah. and I had like a, oh my god, that was the place. <laughs> That's the place. Yeah. So back back backstory here is um, I'm nearly narcoleptic. Like I I have uh, um, I don't have sleeping issues. I have a sleeping gift. I mean I can turn <laughs> off like a switch. And it's I wouldn't trade it for anything. It's caused me some some problems in the past, both with ladies, with motors, vehicles, with uh, yeah, uh, just classrooms, conversations yeah, in just, general. Just about just about anything. It's been a big. It's a big been a big problem. Nothing diagnosable, me, apparently. No, I had yeah. a sleep study done. Yeah. Everything You're, that was re- really you, cool. I actually set a record at Vanderbilt University Sleep Lab for the quickest fall asleep time uh basically yeah. on average over the course of like 20 sessions so Bijan has like the most boring uh x-man mutant power that's right <laughs> <laughs> just fall asleep on command <laughs> that's right I, I really could just turn it off it's great <laughs> and sometimes i can probably do it with my eyes open so if you think i've just checked out then i have so <laughs> but it what it what it means too is if like i have kept myself up beyond Beyond my bedtime, basically, I can be a, a basically start sleepwalking. Just like not sleepwalking because I don't actually move, but I you you could be talking to a vegetable very yeah. very easily. And so this is and where so we, I come in. Yeah. So we get back, and Bijan goes into sleepy Bij mode, and uh, he passes out mid conversation. <laughs> Um, with all of his stuff on the bed. So he's got his computer, his camera, his phone on the bed. And so I, I turn and kind of like, I like nudge him and I'm like, Hey Bij, do you, do you want me to take all this stuff off your bed? Um, and Bijan says, uh, he says, uh, no, there were five kinds of nuts. (laughs) And I'm like, no. Okay. Well, Bij, but your, your stuff on the bed. Like, what do you want me to do with this stuff? And I and he was like, I told you there were five kinds of nuts. And I and I'm like, all right, Bij, um, I, I'm just gonna move it. 
And so at this point, I start moving his stuff, and Bijan starts getting out of bed. So I think he's awake. And I'm like, all right, oh, you're cool with me moving this, right? And he doesn't respond. And then he gets up and looks me in the eyes. And Bijan is 6'4". Um, and so he's looking down at me, completely asleep, with his eyes wide open. And I said, Bij, you're not making any sense. And he says, I think I am. <laughs> and, and at this point, I started to realize that this, there was a possible um, end story to this where uh, th- this is like a, a situation where you... Yeah, like, no, like, it's a situation where y- he could possibly murder someone and not know that he murdered them. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, he could just strangle me in his sleep. And then yeah. I'd be dead on the ground and he'd come to and be like, what happened to Riley? And then he would be convicted of murder. Flee for Marrakesh. Yeah. And he would say, I didn't do it. Yeah, no, it wasn't. There was a one-armed man, you know? Yeah. And so, you know, I was very happy that he decided to just go back to sleep. I, I, <laughs> I de-escalated the situation. I was like, you're right. You're right. I'm not making sense. Just go back to bed. <laughs> I know. That's right. Pacify me. Basically, (laughs) everybody that I love in my life has had to get the same advice. It it, it takes them a while to learn. Don't engage me is my advice. Like, basically, if you start talking, uh, we can go anywhere you want. But when I'm asleep, don't engage the the beast, basically. (laughs) But it's funny because I actually don't... If I'm left alone, I sleep like a dead person. Like, if I cross my arms... Before I went to sleep, I'll wake up and they're in the same place in the morning. Yeah, no, I'm, anyway. I'm not surprised by that. So that that's our anyway. story of the uh, the honeymoon crashing. The hazard was <laughs> me feeling like I was going to get murdered in his sleep, and or like <laughs> sleepy cobras and um, yeah. Oh, and then the final the final bit is uh, is actually maybe the best part. I wake up the next morning uh, and have to go. I can't remember where I'm going. I guess I'm going to London. Right. Is what I'm doing for for the games, because um, it's uh, late summer 2012. So I'm going to the Olympics, and uh, I need to get out of Dodge. But I uh, I think the train I was taking was leaving out of Linz, and um, and I didn't have any money left. Zero money. No <laughs> money left. And I was a little worried. So. Um, the, uh, I had basically expended all my, um, wireable money and ex- I maxed out credit, etc. There was, I had no other outlets other than a, we won't go into why I had a, uh, a, <laughs> a Nintendo Wii, an in- a Nintendo Wii, <laughs> but in my luggage, I had a Nintendo Wii brand new. <laughs> Nintendo Wii. Uh, it had one game, which was Wii Olympics on it. It was a. Uh, um, it was in my bag, and I thought, I'll be damned if I don't pawn this thing today, in order to get my bus fare to Linz, in order to get this train to London. So, I go up past what's the big square in Prague with uh, where the Prague Spring was. The old, uh, old town square. Old Town Square. So I walk through Old Town Square towards the main train station, and all I remember was it was in between two kebab places. That's all I remember about it. So it's like, oh, this is funny. Kebab place, kebab place. 
pawn shop. Pawn shop. Yeah. I walk into the pawn shop, speaking no Czech, and um, I say, you know, I hold up this white Nintendo Wii unboxed in just wires and uh, and say, you know, I, you know, pawn. I'd like to pawn this, or I'd like to sell it. I guess is what I was really doing, not pawning it. Um, and it takes us a while to kind of break the language barrier, and then there's a big guy in the back who's sitting at the main desk who must be uh, the owner or at least shift manager and he comes up and he maybe speaks I don't know sub-conversational English maybe like 45 like trading words like the sort that you would use buy sell etc and um, he takes me into the back and uh, we put it on his table and he has me explain it and it's not making sense and things are starting to fall apart and I'm a little desperate so I just point to the TV near his desk and like say can I can I plug this in can I plug it up and he still not making a lot of sense so I just go to work and I'm like yeah plugging in everything hoping that I understand uh, uh, European wiring and whatnot and all of a sudden (laughs) Blue screen goes to We Olympics main screen. I get out the remote controllers. I shove one in his hand. I I have mine, and we start like doing track events on We <laughs> Olympics. And so we're in this the back of this pawn shop in Prague, just like absolutely getting after it. I'm not kidding. We played for probably over an hour, just really just killing it. You like made, day. made pals with this guy while you're selling it. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think it, I think a Wii in the U.S. was worth about two hundred U.S. at the time, with maybe like thirty dollars for a game. Mm-hmm. Um, and he ended up giving me like one eighty, like so. Yeah. It, so it was loads of check money. I like walked out of there with like a bundle of money. Yeah, and you're I talking was like just, five thousand crowns. Yeah, I was wealthy, yeah. and I paid about sixty bucks for a tr- uh, bus ticket uh, on the second tier front seat to <laughs> Vienna, and then on to Linz, and uh, caught my train and made it to London. So basically, standard. Don't Dijon blow story. all your money on a st- <laughs> don't blow all your money on a steak snake charmer in Marrakesh, <laughs> or else you'll have to pawn your Wii. In the Czech Republic, that's Dijon, coming up with that, the most relatable story. <laughs> yeah, like that's this is a really practical travel advice podcast, yeah. and that's just my that's the advice that you know only your mother could give yeah. you, sort of thing. Yeah, as we always say on the cast, always travel with an entertainment console. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> you never know you, when you you're going to need to pawn it. Yeah, I mean, legitimately, legitimately, probably now probably good to have some smartphone apps uh with some games on there because we'll get into this story later but that saved my life a few times in vietnam Um, so anyway not my life but probably my day for sure there you go okay good that sounded like that sounded very intriguing no smartphone apps saved my life in vietnam (laughs) play this angry burns game or i'll shoot you next episode (laughs) anyway so, so um so we've got a, this is a nice yeah. long cast for us uh, today. Um, I think next week, what do we got on the agenda? I don't know if we have anything uh, actually planned. I think uh, I think I have a good lead with uh, Maria's parents, Hase and Cecilia. 
Um, oh, good. They are uh, some aggressive travelers. Hase is actually a, uh, a scholar of Hungarian culture and um, particularly uh, a travel writer f- uh, for Swedes visiting Budapest that don't want to encounter the tourist traps. So, Oh, um, dude. Okay. But, so he's perfect yeah, but, for the cast. Let's see if we can get him on here next week. Yeah, that's right. And I think he's probably going to tell us a story that's unrelated to Budapest, but we, we can go deep with Hase and Cecilia for uh, for loads of other casts. And uh, But yeah, we'll probably have some guests on next week. And um, looking forward to being with you guys again. All right. Well, Riley, thanks. I hope you renew your vows so I can come and crash in with Maria this time, maybe. <laughs> uh, yeah, why not? We've got the five year, uh, my five-year anniversary coming up. Oh, that's right, and I'm ordained. You should know. So <laughs> Is I'm, that uh, right? Yeah, that's by, right. Um, yeah, American Marriage Ministries. Check it out. You can get a, a or, get ordained in about ten minutes and for about twenty five bucks. So. Well, maybe we'll have to fly you out here. That's right. I'd be happy to. <laughs> All right. Well, folks, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll right. see you next time on the podcast. Podcast. See you guys. Bye. Bye. All right, Riley. I think it's easy.